Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Print and Noah Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast which will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one episode, only one season, or whatever. There's four of them. It's fine. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Titus World Slide! These are four WWE pilots. Yes. So there are four pilots on the what used to be the WWE Network, now is on Peacock. And these were going to be Shows that they were trying to get started over on the WWE Network. Now they're on Peacock. They're not really trying to make more content anymore. Like, the WWE doesn't isn't trying to sell you the network anymore. No. It's just everything's on Peacock, so these things were all just dead. So there are four pilots. We watch them alphabetically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are going to go through each and every one of them. Uh, just a quick rundown. They are The Botch Club, The Fashion Files, Kitchen Smackdown, and Xavier Woods Arcade Challenge. These all dropped quietly on the WWE Network on Christmas Eve 2018. Oh, really? On Christmas Eve? Yes, December 24th, 2018. Weird. So the first one we're going to be... Uh, actually, before we get into that, I nearly forgot. We got to pour four out. I don't have four. I'm going to try to drink four in the course of this. That's that's my goal. Oh, no. Uh, So I have uh, a Nugget Nectar. This is a beer that I actually had at Barcade Philly. Philly. Where Xavier Woods' pilot takes place. So, uh, this is the most authentic. It sounds like I'm being lazy. This is the most authentic. And I'm going to try to drink four of them. You're going to die. Yep. What do you got? Uh, I have a cup of whipped cream. (laughs) Right. Uh, Because of the pies. For them fashion files. Oh, so it's just whipped cream? Yeah, it's essentially a pup cup from Starbucks. (laughs) Are you going to have four of them? I guess. I mean, it's a shot glass of whipped cream. I could do four of them. You could do four of them, yeah. So, we're going to start off with Botch Club? With the Botch Club. Now, I think the Botch Club was the one that had the most kind of buzz around it because of Botchamania. Right. Botchamania was kind of like, hey, they're just doing my show on the WWE Network and took half my name. And everyone responded, yeah, your show is just clips that they made, though. Yeah. And I I get that concern. Uh, that being said, Botchamania puts a lot more effort in yeah, than this show did. Yeah, a whole lot more. So, uh, we, we set out to watch this. And in the intro, we see a lot of the classic botches. You see the Shockmaster. Yeah. Um... You see the We're Live, pal. Yes. Uh, what was the... I, there was at least one other one that was like, oh, yeah, that one. That, um, I don't know. But, like, the Shockmaster's, like, the big one. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know when the sign falls and it's Mean Gene. Oh, that's what it was. When the yes. sign falls, it's Mean Gene, and he swears. Yes. So, uh, the first so it's Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Yes, two people who no longer work for the WWE. They now work for TNA or Impact Wrestling, and they're making these jokes about how Carl Anderson once pooped himself during a match. They don't show it, but they're bringing it up. And this is painfully scripted. Yes. So, and they do that whole, oh, you are one dirty mother. And then Gallows is like, whoa, before you can say the F word. Mm-hmm. But there's like bleeps already in what they're saying. Like, they bleep out shit in yes. that opening. So they're clearly not actually worried about swearing because they're mm-hmm. swearing. So already the premise has been negated of the show and we're moments in. Exactly. So... It, it gets little segments. Yes. They, the first segment is top rope turmoil. Yes. So it's kind of, think, um, America's Funniest Home Videos... Where they're just showing botches that involve people falling off the uh, top rope. And they make like little funny comments. I have uh, some of their comments written down. There's, oh! And, oh! And, oh! Hilarious commentary. That's gotta hurt. That's gotta hurt. And then at one point, Gallows does an impression of the Fink because he does an impression of the Fink, but it doesn't make sense in context in any way. It's like they started to realize that all they did was make noise and they needed to add something to make this a show and they failed. Okay, so you know what the really weird thing with this is, right? With this part of the show? It's over weirdly cheery chiptune. Yes. Like, not classic wrestling themes or anything. Cheery, Mario-esque chiptune music. I have a theory why. Okay. One of the clips, Chris Jericho gets actually injured. Huh. There, There is a botch that they show of Chris Jericho falling out of the ring and hitting the ground and Eddie Guerrero laughing at him. Chris Jer- Jericho was injured in that. But if you play silly music... It's funny because I remember this to to go off topic. There was a show called True TV. Do you remember True TV? No, I only remember the channel True TV. Or Real TV. Maybe it was Real TV. I think it was Real TV. It was YouTube before YouTube. Okay. It was just like user, not user, uh, it was like viewer submitted videos of real things that people happen to catch on tape. And I remember distinctly watching one about a javelin gone wrong. Okay. Dude throws a javelin and hits one of the judges in the arm. And just, you see it like stick in Uh. the arm. And he like yanks it out. Two weeks later, I saw it on America's Funniest Home Videos. And they added like, to it so it would be funny. And I was like, that man was horribly injured. <laughs> but if you add s- silly music and wacky sound effects, it's hilarious. Yeah, like we almost lose a hardy boy. Yeah. 
The Hardy Boys, yeah. And you get like you see like big sexy getting stuck in the top rope. Yes. And and uh Mike Austin awesome, as well. Mike Awesome like loses the top rope. Mike Awesome does the spot that cost Finn Balor the uh Universal Championship when he fought Roman Reigns, but it wasn't planned. <laughs> Where the top rope just breaks when he tries to jump off of it. Yeah, so that that's my reasoning on why the music is really silly. Okay. Silly music means that injuries are funny. So then we get an ad break. This is the only show where I'm going to point out the ad breaks. The ad breaks. So many of them. I think they tried to force ad breaks in all the shows, but because the Botch Club was the one with the most like clear, this is a new segment. They just got all the ads. The next thing we get is behind the botch. Yes. Which is about. A notable big botch. In this case, it's Titus World Slide. Yes. Titus O'Neil in Saudi Arabia was entering the greatest Royal Rumble. And as he ran to the ring, he tripped and fell under the ring. Yeah, like baseball slide under the ring. Yes. There's a cool shot here where we see him do it and we actually see a shot of the control room. Yes, we, we actually... see Adam. I think it's Adam Pierce going like. Hey, don't do that! Please don't do that! And they all start laughing at him. Yeah, you see new footage of, and that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's interesting to see. Like this back room where like people you would recognize even mm-hmm. are all kind of laughing at it, and we get then it turns into kayfabe. Yeah. Because Titus claims to have done it on purpose to look for Hornswoggle. Yeah. And then they do a bit that they show what the camera looked like under the ring. Yeah, and it's uh, the Good Brothers and Apollo Crews, for some reason. Yeah. Hanging out and telling ghost stories? Yeah, they like to tell ghost stories. And you see... The Titus world slide, and then it cuts to Titus going, do y'all see Hornswoggle? Nah, man. And then they ask him if he has, like, batteries or something. Yeah. Okay. This is the only, like, new footage we're getting. Yeah. So it's probably the best part of the show. It reminded me of Tosh.0. Okay. Like, I kind of felt like this was a web redemption. Yes. Like, I think the part that's missing is they should have had Titus do it again. Yeah. Like, show the world that you can run to the ring without falling. (laughs) Like, and, like, redeem him. But they don't do that. So then we get an ad break. Then we get an ad break. And only, like, two or three minutes have gone by. Because this entire episode of Botch Club... Is 11 minutes and 50 seconds. 11 minutes long and we're on our second ad break. And these ad breaks, they're not like the YouTube ad break where it's, you might just get two like 10 second ads. Each of these ad breaks is a full minute of two 30 second commercials. Yeah. Some of them were 90. And that being said, the Corona commercial with Andy Samberg and Snoop Dogg was slightly more enjoyable than this show. (laughs) (laughs) So it could be worse. D-O-W-G. So, so the next thing we get is the the monster truck match of Halloween Havoc. Yes, the monster truck sumo match. Now, the, here's the thing. I know a lot about the monster truck sumo match. Okay. I know you know a bit about it. Yes. I would like you to try to tell me what takes place here based on what we watched 
Hulk Hogan and Big Show have a match that starts off with them in monster trucks Mm -hmm. trying to push each other out of a ring like a sumo match. Yes. Then they get out of the trucks. And then Hulk Hogan... They're on a roof. That's important. Hulk Hogan and Big Show fight on the roof. And of course they get too close to the ledge. And then... Big Show has Hulk Hogan in, like, an arm hold. Yeah. And the breaking of the hold knocks the Big Show over the edge, and then Hogan yells for help. Yes. And then we cut... Because he's murdered a man. Then we cut to the ring, and they're both there. Yes. And they did this falling off a roof thing in Money in the Bank 2020 as well. Yes. What's important is they didn't murder Rey Mysterio and then have him wrestle a match immediately afterwards. Correct. Uh, So, couple things. One, uh, this was for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Okay. So, after... uh, And by the way, this is the giant at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. This is before he was the big show. Oh, because they kept calling him the giant... But I thought it was the way they could say, like, the Second City Savior, or... No, he was, like, at the time, they were saying without saying it that he was Andre the Giant's son. Oh, okay. Which is not true. It's definitely not true, uh, because he's not French. He is not French. No, very good point. Uh, So, they do say something a little interesting, like, the tiniest bit of interesting here. Yeah, is there is a moment where Carl uh, Anderson says... And what did Show tell you about this? That he's not f- driving. There's someone down underneath of him pushing the pedals. And I guess he's just doing this. Yes. Which is interesting. Breaks kayfabe. And then never addressed again. It's also... They're very comfortable breaking kayfabe because it's WCW. This is true. So they don't care. Because at this time... WWE loves burying WCW. Absolutely. Like, circa 2018, that's when they're putting out the Monday Night Wars content. Yeah, they're rewriting history that WCW was never good. Yeah, like, it's very much the um, history is written by the winners. Yes, despite the fact that Nitro beat Raw in the ratings for 83 weeks in a row, that is something they will never tell you. Exactly. The haven of mismanagement. Yes. So, how does this match end? Um, with, um, uh, the Yeti! The Yeti! Who is a mummy? He is a mummy. I had heard of the Yeti. Yes. I was expecting a Yeti? He is not a Yeti. Because <laughs> this was the Dungeon of Doom? Yeah, it was Halloween Havoc, so they were trying yes. to do, like, spoopy. So, part of this, like, they don't show the uh, the promo before this, which is Hawk Hogan being banished to another dimension. Oh, as and one does. And he's walking around going, Where am I? There's no Hulkamaniacs here! I've never been here before! Ah, it's not hot! And they re- they show the Dungeon of Doom, which was uh, a leprechaun, a barbarian, if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, 
Earthquake, John Tenna played a character named Earthquake, but he also became a shark at one point. So like not, one does. I'm not sure which one he was supposed to be. And of course, the giant and the Yeti, which is a mummy. They both hug Hulk Hogan <laughs> until Hulk Hogan dies and the giant becomes the champion. Okay. Couple interesting things you might find interesting that they don't bother to tell you in this. Uh, this is the only match for the Yeti. I'm so surprised. The Yeti would go on to become Super Ninja. So still dumb. Yes. This is the Giants' first match. Like ever? Ever. Oh, that's kind of <laughs> neat. And he wins the world title after losing a monster drug sumo and being thrown off a building. So like he's all things said and done, I would say his debut went pretty well. Yeah. The other, the main thing I want to say about this is there's a great YouTube channel called Wrestling with Regret. Yes. Who owns like the the diss on this? He did a great video about this where he sings a whole song about the <laughs> sumo truck match and pushing and pushing. Sing along, kids and pushing the trucks back and forth. They just keep going on forever, and this thing is a bore. They just keep pushing along until the giant falls off of the ledge of the building and is presumed. No! No! Oh my god. No! Dead. Zero stars. You can't help but compare this to what Brian Zane did. And this is terrible. I, I think that's the issue with particularly Botch Club is that there's already internet personalities doing everything he's doing, or everything the Good Brothers are doing, but competently. Yeah. So, the next thing we get is an unaired clip from Tough Enough. One, one quick thing before ad, we ad get break. an ad break. You're right. <laughs> yeah, then uh, Carl Anderson's going to pay back Luke Gallows for mentioning that he pooped his pants. Yes. By showing... Million Dollar Tough Enough, which Luke Gallows competed in. In the age of 20. Yes. And he's doing an obstacle course and his, like, shorts get snagged and come off. Yes. And they make him do it pantsless. Yeah, he's doing push-ups without pants. And his trainer, who I'm sure you know who it is. Uh, it's Al Snow. Al Snow announces... One move we don't have to show you is a small package because you've already got one. Which is a great line. It is the only good joke in the show. And it is... A decade old. Yes. <laughs> and then Big Show crop dusts them over the credits. Yes. Out of like, <laughs> the very last thing they showed. Like, thank you so much. Join us next time for Botch Club. And then Big Show rolls up farts and leave. You fat, nasty. Son- Great. Googly moogly. We're conducting an interview here. <laughs> it's like eat, shoots, and leaves. Eats, yeah. farts, and leaves. Uh, so, interesting thing about that uh, Million Dollar Tough Enough, uh, someone rips their pectoral muscle doing that obstacle course. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, and he doesn't stop. He oh keeps going. They make him do push-ups. He keeps going. He shows that he has a lot of heart. He's too injured to be on the show. Oh, my God. Uh, he would eventually get a, the the I forget his name, but he would eventually get a... WWE contract and injure himself before his first match. Oh. Yeah, it's a bummer. That's so upsetting. 
Yeah, Botch Club. So do you want to do verdicts as we go? Yeah, let's do verdicts as we go. Uh, okay, so what's your verdict? This is a stay doomed. Okay. The internet has provided a better version of this show a hundred times over. The thing that should have made this special was insider information. And there is none. They're, they're not giving that to us. Okay. The other like interesting thing about this is the behind the botch. Truth be told, how many of those can you do? Like, how many botches are that epic that you can donate four or five whole minutes to just discussing that botch? Yeah. So, yeah, this is a stay doomed. I was going to say this is a state, stay doomed by virtue of the game over rule. Okay. Uh, because I think there's pieces of this that work. I think they would have been better off drawing from existing talent that's already doing this, like bringing in, like wrestling with regret, mm-hmm. and pairing. Uh, what? Who's? What's the name of him? Brian Zane. Pairing Brian Zane with a more charismatic talent Mm -hmm. and having them do it together. I think this concept could very well work, but you'd have to change. I think you'd have an outsider and an insider. Mm -hmm. But I think by virtue of the game over rule, it's a doomed. Yeah. I mean, if you were to like pitch that and get your way, the... Outsider would be Sam Roberts, and I know how much you hate him. I I do (laughs) irrationally hate Sam Roberts. Yeah. So, that's it for the Bods Club. Stay tuned. I'm going to get another beer. Okay. Next up, we have The Fashion Files. Yes, The Fashion Files. Cold case unit. This is when Tyler Breeze and Fandango were doing the fashion police as a gimmick. They were doing a bit that was so funny. Oh my it God. was unstoppable. Because they, tried. they hated it. They hated that this was working. But it was funny every time. Oh my God. I loved, I loved them. They were so They funny. were the highlight of WWE for me for a while. Yeah. The, it was just Fandango and Tyler Breeze being sexy cops and... On some sort of case? Yes. And like, there's a Fashion Files moment that I remember where Tyler Breeze stands up and says, Dango, we have to solve this case soon or people are going to start thinking we're just making this up as we go along. And then he kind of looked at the camera. So good. So good. So clever. Like, it's the kind of humor WWE is usually very bad at. Yes. And like being genuinely meta funny. Yes, yeah. It was a lot of like meta, like backstagey jokes as well. And then they brought in the Ascension. Yes, as like they're kind of enemies. No, well, they wanted to be their friends. Yes. But the fashion police hated them. Because <laughs> there's an episode where they get kidnapped by Jigsaw. Yes. And the Ascension, like the room's filling with gas, and the Ascension yells, run, save yourselves, leave us. And Tyler Breeze yells, I'm trying. So good. So funny. Just so genuinely silly, but actually like, silly in a way WWE doesn't usually excel in. Yes. Genuinely funny silly. 
Now, they're trying to capture this magic of a two-minute bit that they stuck into a SmackDown. Yes. Into a 12-minute full episode. Yes. And they're trying to solve the case of who hit Kevin Owens with a pie. In the 4th of July episode of either Raw or SmackDown. What's fun about this is this is kind of an internet joke. Yeah. Like, online, people were like, we never found out who threw the pie at Kevin Owens. Yeah. So they're kind of taking that and making it their own. So they're on the case and they break down the footage. Well, it starts off. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. We see some of their finest moments over the credits. And instead of, like, sound effects, it's Breeze and Fandango going, wee-oo, (laughs) wee-oo. And featuring Chuck Norris. Yes. Over a clip from Walker, Texas Ranger. No. No? That is WWE footage. Okay. That makes perfect sense. There there was a match between uh, Yokozuna and The Undertaker. Of course. And it was a casket match. Of course. And since there's, it's no holds barred, 10 people ran out and beat up The Undertaker and threw him in a casket. Okay. Which caused the Undertaker to ascend into heaven. All right. When the Undertaker returned, presumably from heaven, <clears throat> they had to do a rematch. But they didn't want to have interference like last time. So, special enforcer Chuck Norris stood by the coffin and threw karate kicks at anybody who came running in. So I have to know, was this... In the time period where that would have been a meme. Like, where that would have been appropriate. Or was this out of nowhere? I mean, this is during the height of Walker, Texas Ranger. Okay, so this isn't in the meme era of no, Chuck Norris. No, of Chuck Norris, no. <laughs> I, I, I was genuinely curious, because I was not watching WWE when it was the meme era. You, you weren't watching WWE in 1994 either, so... <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm not watching WWE now. Now, yeah. I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit more of an AEW girl. Yeah. But I, I like throwing in fun wrestling facts for this episode. So they solve the mystery of who's the third man at the beginning. They claim to have solved the mystery. Yeah. Did you get that joke? No. Who's the third man was the thing they kept yelling when Hall and Nash went to WCW. And they were asking who the third man is on the in the NWO. Oh, it's Hogan. It was Hogan. And it's very obviously Hogan because they announced that it's Hogan. Yeah. So they've solved that mystery. They solved that mystery. So they pop the champers and then uh, Breezy produces a pie with a hole in it. <laughs> and it's never outright said, but he accuses Fandango of Jason Biggsing it. Yeah. And then he's like, well, do you want to finish off the pie? And then Dango complains that the pie is cold. And then Breeze proffers a case of donuts. Yes. Also a thing with holes in them. Uh, I also want to point out on the whiteboard, (laughs) it says uh, Millionaire Ted, which is a reference to Ted DiBiase. Yes. Billionaire Ted, which is a reference to uh, a parody of Ted Turner they used to have on WWE programming to make fun of WCW. Right. And underneath that it says Zillionaire Zed. <laughs> and then under that it says Zed is dead, baby. 
there's a lot of little stuff in this episode, like that's hiding in the background, which was a staple of the fashion police. Yes. So I, I just wanted to throw out the, the wonderful little details. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead, baby. So, uh, Fandango goes cold, case, pie. Do you know what I'm thinking? No. No. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was no surprise that things would escalate so quickly. However, we were completely surprised at how quickly things escalated. Brilliant. If you don't watch WWE programming from we- four years ago, uh, Thanks for still listening this far into the episode. Uh, but Fandango and Tyler Breeze are Zoolander and Hansel. <laughs> very much so. And they do it very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. They are very, very funny in this bit. So then they are going through their suspects. Yes. And they start with Rusev because... Uh, his wife, Lana, was thrown into a cake. Yes. Oh, no, there's footage of Rusev reaching for a pie. Oh, yes. yes. In the food fight. So that's why he's the first. Because it makes perfect sense, this first one. So they're like, here's some circumstantial evidence. Uh, Then they write off that it's uh, Rusev, and they go with Cesaro. Yeah, my next note is, oh, yeah, remember when Roman Reigns was a babyface for ruining a wedding? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Then we get an anonymous tip from Cesaro. Yes. Where Cesaro does not tell them. After clearing Rusev from the list of suspects, we thought we caught a break when an anonymous tip from Cesaro pointed us in a new direction. Cesaro. Anything. No. He's like, I know who it is. And they're like, well, are you going to tell us? And he goes, no. (laughs) So then they think it's Cesaro. Well, then they go to Chili's. And then, then they go to Chili's. This this is where it starts to get, like, all over the place. And, like, whenever they don't have footage of something, they just cut to a still image of something. Yes. But, but do a pan. Yes. <laughs> like a YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, they then start kind of doing this thing where it's like, you know who else is a suspect? Seamus. Here's footage of... Seamus hitting people with pies. And then I was like, oh, this is just botch club again. Except instead of it being a botch, it's like, here's a bunch of moments we've cut together of people getting hit with food. Yes. We see Seamus hit Cesaro with a birthday cake. So then they say it's Seamus. Then we see Seamus hit Ziggler with a cake. And they go, no, it can't be Seamus. We're looking for a pie perpetrator, not a cake criminal. Yes. The next uh, suspect is... Everyone. Yeah, it could be anyone. So it could be everyone. And then they just show a bunch of footage of people getting hit with stuff. Including gorillas. Yeah. Gorillas, Chris Jericho, just everybody. And then we see Titus O'Neil winning a pie-eating contest and then throwing up in JBL's hat. Yes. Kurt Angle. And then they realize it can't be Kurt Angle because he's a strudel man. Stop. What's the joke there? Uh, That Kurt Angle talks about how much he likes strudel. Right. Why is that funny? Because it's as American as apple pie, and Kurt Angle's supposed to be, like, the real American hero with being a gold medalist, and Strudel is German? Incorrect. All right. At the time, The Rock was really into pie. He liked eating pie. Oh, yeah, it was an extended vagina joke. Yes. So, Strudel 
was penis. Oh. So having Kurt Angle saying he likes strudel meant he was a gay. And that was hilarious. <laughs> so I can... In the 90s. Oh, I was going to really guess early 2000s. In the early 2000s. It was the early 2000s. Because that's like when homosexuality was a cheap punchline mm-hmm. in wrestling. Uh, it... Still sometimes feels like it's a cheap yeah. punchline in wrestling. And also The Rock used to come out and ask girls for their pie. And then they he'd offer the people strudel to them. So there was a lot of bakery-themed sexual innuendo coming from the richest man in Hollywood right now. Yeah. He really doesn't have to ask for pie or strudel at this point. Well, when he's married, he is... I'd like to think he still uses those terminology, though. <laughs> no, because he's got... As, as an older man, he's just like, Doc, my strudel. I, I was going to say, no, he has kids. There's no way you used you would use baked goods in case one of your kids overheard and genuinely was like, dessert? <laughs> and then you have a horrible moment to explain. Anyway, yeah. uh, they deduced that it was The Rock because of his obsession with pie. Yes, and they're like, all right, case closed. Fandango's like, well, no, wait, we got to get him. Like, we can't just, like, he committed a crime. We need to arrest him. And on their way to arresting The Rock, they get distracted. Yes. <laughs> and they want to find out who uh, the bunny was. Yes. From Adam Rose's Rosebuds. Yes. And so this one has, like, a sequel hook, at least. Yes. Uh, when this was announced, the reaction on Reddit was really, really positive. Yes. People were really excited to see this. Yes. Yeah, by the way, it's over already. <laughs> yeah. They exit chaotically. Yes. And then I, I believe it said rest in peace gimmick infringement for some reason. Yes. Uh, it was... What is your verdict on this? I... Want to give it a stay tuned so bad, but I'm not going to. Okay. This is a stay doomed just because half of it's really good. The other half of it's just another WWE clip show. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. Like, the way they padded the gold that was the fashion police into a more of a show kind of kills it. I think it could have worked if they had just... uh, I gave it a stay tuned because I just... I want... I thought even the narration made it work better than Botch Club. Right. Uh, I think it would work better if these were five minutes. Well, you could have Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Right. um, Who killed Mr. McMahon. Yeah, go back to that, Jim. I mean, there's a lot... And who was the hacker? Yeah, that would. Yeah, that's like that's after this. Yeah, but, but like there were, there's always going to be dropped angles that you could have picked up. But I just I think back to the the title sequence for this, where it's Breeze and Dango holding fake guns, doing somersaults in the hallways. Okay, that's the show I want. Okay, they don't give us that show. They give us a clip show. Fair. So it's not delivering on what they promised, and what they promised is really good and a show I want. 
Okay. And that failure makes me just be like, oh, this isn't going to ever be the thing I need. Fair enough. I'm going to give it a stay tuned still. Stay tuned for me. Okay. I am going to get another beer. Okay. Welcome to Kitchen Smackdown. Yeah. Bo Dallas is hosting. Right. And it's Dana Brooke versus Curtis Axel versus Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox. And um, the judges are Mark Henry. Yes. Ennis Cantor, who's a New York Knicks player. Yes. And Noelle Foley. And I want to point out, when they talk about yeah. Noelle Foley, they tell us that she's a huge foodie. And it's literally the most generic Instagram pictures of a 20-something holding a slice of pizza, like a cotton candy from the fair. It's so generic. It's not her with, like, anything, even all that Instagrammable. The entire point of this is to show pictures of Noelle Foley. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm going to, here's my big takeaway from this show. Why isn't Noelle Foley anywhere in the WWE? I genuinely don't know. She's an attractive, charismatic young woman who is the son of a son, the daughter of a legend. Yeah. And that legend is Mick Foley, and she looks like that. (laughs) It's Cody Rhodes all over again. Oh, yeah. We're like, Cody Rhodes' father is Dusty Rhodes. And Dustin Rhodes looks exactly like Dusty. Cody, I don't know what their mother looks like, but Cody must look like mom. Yeah. Um, Cody looks just enough like Dusty that you're like, okay, that is his son. Mm-hmm. But he looks way more like his mother. Yeah. I assume. Uh, so we introduce our um, we introduce our competitors. Uh, Alicia Fox has no cooking sp- skills. Curtis Axel says he has little cooking experience. And Dana Brooke, I don't know if you noticed this. She's like slurring her words in certain parts. I did not catch that. Oh, like in some of these talking heads, only in the talking heads, she actually sounds a little drunk. Really? Yeah. I think that's how Dana Brooke sounds. (laughs) I, I guess I notice it more in the talking heads. Yeah. Because she doesn't really sound that way in the practical. And she talks about how much she loves to cook. Yes. And then we get, like, Mark Henry's little, like, judge intro, and we find out, like, his mother was a chef. Yes. And he has experienced, like, essentially doing prep work in the kitchen for his chef mother. Right. Like, he has, like, a very deep family connection to food. It's adorable and sweet, and you love to see it. So then the first thing... Oh, we get one more judge. We got... What's his name? Innes Kerner? Cantor. Why is he here? Legitimately no idea. How did he end up with... He has such a thick accent, they subtitle him. Yes. Which, Why is he here? Genuinely no idea. Because it's not like he is somebody who is known to the... WWE does this. Where, like, if they have a sniff of being able to get someone from outside of their world, they are so excited... That they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We found somebody who's not a wrestler who's willing to do stuff for us. Yeah. And it's always been a little pathetic. Um, and that's what this feels like. Like, this basketball player was willing to do a cameo in their show. And they were so excited about that. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, he really doesn't bring anything to the table. Because he's not very charismatic. 
I'm like, I'm sure he's a great basketball player. Like, I don't know yeah. his life, but <laughs> I don't know his lore. Uh, so, the way they figure out what they're doing is there's a wall of protein. Yes. It's a balloon wall. And each color balloon is a different protein. There's like chicken, ground beef, Italian sausage, I think tofu. Yeah. I think there's also like pork chops and steak. So there's all of these different meats. And they have to throw a dart and whatever they break. Mm-hmm. Is there is their protein. Is the only protein they're allowed to use. And in uninteresting fashion... They all end up with the same thing. They all end up with Italian sausage. Yeah. Which I found interesting because, like, it's slightly harder to prepare than, like, chicken breast. I would assume all of these athletes would know how to serviceably cook a chicken breast. (laughs) Because, like, that's something, it's like a mainstay of what athletes eat is, Mm -hmm. like, baked chicken. Right. I've heard Daniel Bryan talk about Ryback at the Panera Bread. Yeah. Uh, I know they all eat a lot of chicken, unless they're vegetarian or vegan. Uh, Brooke panics, because she's never worked with Italian sausage before. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you, Noah, what would you do if you had to make something with Italian sausage in 30 minutes? I would do one of two things. Okay. Uh, I would either uh, cut it up and... Put it in pasta. Okay. Or I would slice it open, mix it together, and make patties, and throw an egg on top of it and make a breakfast sandwich. Okay. So I would slit the casing open and drain the sausage out onto a pan and just break up the sausage. I would make... um, There's a budget bites recipe I make actually in our home Mm -hmm. of... You toast some red pepper flakes in oil, you cook the sausage in it, you cook broccoli, and you cook pasta. And all then you put all three of those things together in the pan, mm-hmm. uh, and you have one pot. It's not really one pot. You have, like, a quick, relatively healthy pasta dinner. Mm-hmm. I make it not irregularly in our household. Yeah. So that's what I would do. And I don't need a recipe for it. Like, it's something I could... You could put me in one of those kitchens and be like, make this. And I could be like, okay. Axel decides to make a hoagie, which I'm like, okay. Yeah. Dana decides to make a pasta dish. And Foxy decides to do... Make it a patty and make it into a burger. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. What what Foxy does is she's unsure if you can eat the casing. So she... Dumps it all into a bowl and is just mixing it with stuff. Her exact phrase is she's making a burger. <laughs> oh, is she? She tells you she tells us she's making and the things she tries to put in it at first are what you would put in a burger. Like she throws a bunch of breadcrumbs in and an egg, which is what you would put in to like bind meat together. Um not really for a burger. I don't use binder in a burger. Right. Um, I would just shape the meat into a patty and cook it. So Curtis Axel's starting to cut peppers because he's going to make a hoagie with peppers and onions. Mm -hmm. He's making a a sausage sandwich like you could buy at any proper pizza place in our area. 
He does not de-seed the peppers. No. And like the seeds are the really spicy part of a bell pepper. Mm-hmm. And they're also just kind of gross. Uh, he does not peel the onion. No. Just gonna just keep the casing on that. Yeah, like the papery part of the onion. Still, still there. And he also is... And I say this as someone with poor knife skills. He makes me look like an iron chef. Yeah. I don't have great knife skills. He has much worse ones. He has none. Uh, Dana Brooke is cooking in six-inch pink Versace heels. Yes, because she loves those shoes that she's going to ruin them in the kitchen. Yeah, like, this is at a time where Dana Brooke is pretty much desperate to be noticed. So I think she's throwing anything to stand out. Yeah. And then Foxy is kneading the sausage, and then she drops in a an amount of red pepper flakes that would be measured in cups. Yes. Like, and you hear the judges go, ooh. Mark Henry sounds concerned. Yes. <laughs> a couple lines I want to point out. Yeah, beat that sausage. Beat the sausage. Mm-hmm. Said a couple times. And then there's a moment where I'm like, you know, out of all the, the, the women of the WWE, I would say Alicia Fox is the prettiest. Okay. Just I was like, man, she's got like a really pretty face. Yeah, okay. And then as I'm having that thought, she goes, Fingers are dirty. Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. I didn't even like cooking until today. Oh my God, I couldn't be in the same room as you. Uh, Dana Brooke talks about how she's Italian. <laughs> yeah, but has so, never had Italian sausage. Well, and she also picks up a piece of pasta, uh, throws it at the wall. It does not stick. And then she decides her pasta is done. Yes. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If the pasta sticks, it's done. Yeah. I mean, that's still not really how you test pasta. No. I, you also don't throw it against tile. <sighs> I like... When I'm testing pasta, I just... She's making farfalle, which is bow ties. Right. I just fish out a bow tie and bite it. Yeah, it also doesn't work with that. It's got to be spaghetti. spaghetti. <laughs> so, it does not stick. Uh, Axel cuts up his sausage, because he sautés his sausage. He cuts it up and it's all still raw and pink inside. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, he's smart enough to then put it back in the pan. Yeah, it's like that it needs to be cooked more. Sausage takes a surprisingly long time to cook through. Mm-hmm. Like, I always have this issue when I make a full Italian sausage, if I'm not cutting it up or taking it out of the casing, is I'm always like, it's been on there for a long time, and then it's not cooked in the middle. So, like, I kind of can't fault him on this one. Uh, Alicia Fox then crushes up a bay leaf. (laughs) Several bay leaves. And puts it in her food. Yes. What do you do with a bay leaf when you put it like in the crock pot or in a soup or something? It's there for flavoring and then you remove it. Yes, you do fish it out. Yes. Noelle Foley goes, oh, Alicia's trying to poison us. Because you cannot eat a bay leaf. No. Dana Brooke manages to cause a fire. Yes. Because a piece of her sausage rolls off and then rolls like into the burner. Into the flame, yeah. And then Axel's like, oh, my rice isn't done. How many hoagies do you think you've eaten in the last year? Uh, uh, 50. Okay, 50 hoagies. How many of them have you eaten over rice? None. I have literally never eaten a hoagie over rice. No. I've never eaten a hoagie. But and... everything's better over rice. 
eating a hoagie and rice in the same meal. No. Dana Brooks looks like vomit. Yeah. Like, it's... They're all really badly presented. Foxy's is also presented really badly. Well, she does... There's a point where they say, like, they have not seen her cook the food. Yes. We are never shown Alicia Fox cooking. No. We are shown her beating sausage. And then there's, like, shots of cooking taking place that Alicia Fox is not in. And then all of a sudden there's a breakfast sandwich that exists. We are then informed that (laughs) they will be judged on the name of their meal, the presentation, and the taste. Yes. So if you have something that tastes terrible, but have a solid pun, you could still be the winner of Kitchen Smackdown. Yes. So, (laughs) uh, Dana Brooke calls hers the Carby Sausage a la Flex. Yes. And the judges say it's mostly okay. Like, they eat it, and they're like, it's fine. And then Alicia Fox introduces the Fancy as Fox Burger. Yeah. And it's made with love! Mark Henry says, well, at least it's cooked all the way through. I think a production assistant must have stepped in. I do not believe for a moment. (laughs) I, I think someone stepped in and were like, we're not letting this woman touch a stove. Yeah. Like, something horrible will happen. Uh, the egg was a disaster, is Mark Henry's words. Because she does like a breakfast burger, like you were talking about, yeah. the egg over it. And then they say it's very spicy. We do not actually see them eat it. No, yeah, we're never shown them taking a bite. So, yeah, it's... We, we do not see them actually eat it. So then, uh, they eat... Bo Dallas's, which is the B-licious, because he's on the B-team right now. Mm-hmm. The B-licious Italian sausage hoagie. We do actually see one of them put something in their mouths this time. Yeah. Noel eats some of the rice and spits it out. Yes. Because it's undercooked. It is raw. So out of the possible 90, because there's 30 for each judge. Yes. So a total of 90. Alicia Fox gets a 55. Dana Brooke gets a 55. And then Curtis Axel gets a 69 out of 90. Nice. So, Curtis Axel wins the golden spatula. Yeah. What's your verdict? Stay doomed. Stay tuned. I'd watch this again. Nothing happens. Like, what this show is, was a couple of WWE superstars being silly for six minutes, and then a production assistant desperately trying to cook their food for them. Yes. We never see them cook. We never see the food getting eaten. So then what's the show? I was at, I was sports entertained. Uh, I'd watch Worst Cooks in America, though. Yeah, yeah, because they would have to actually cook. Yeah, I was sports entertained. Well, here's another major problem I have with this show. Okay. Uh, they announce Bo Dallas as the special guest referee for this. Okay. He's not the host. Every episode would have a different host. Bo Dallas doesn't bring much to this. Yeah, but, like, he's the thumbnail. Yeah. Like, it, like that little bit being in there, I was like, oh, well, then what is this? If, like, who's in charge then? 
And like without ha- the show having like an identifying figure attached to it, what even is it? Other than a bunch of people goofing around in a kitchen and then using editing to save face. I had fun. You'd watch that again. Yeah, I would. You, would. you would be happy to find out that there were 11 more episodes and watch all of them. Yeah. Nuh-uh! <laughs> Nuh-uh to you! Uh, you really underestimate my ability to watch garbage cooking shows. But that's not even what it is. When I was sick, I spent whole days with my emotional support Mark Summers watching Unwrapped. Right, but he actually tells you how things are made. This show lied to you about how things were made. In the words of Tommy Lee Jones, I don't care. I enjoyed this. It's a stay tuned. Stay tuned. I don't, I don't take these things from you. Unless they involve NatPat, and then I do. Yeah, you, then you really take it from me. <laughs> Final show, which means I need another beer. All right. Xavier's Arcade Showdown. Yes. This one has something the rest of them really don't have. Xavier Woods. An introduction that looks like it had any kind of budget. Yeah. It looks like that rainbow unicorn game from Adult Swim. Oh, yeah. When you walk away, you won't hear. No, that's, that's, what is the song from Robot Unicorn Attack? Robot Unicorn Attack, that's right. <laughs> I, I I was singing Kingdom Hearts. Oh my god, I haven't... Look in your eyes and see that your eyes are open. Oh man, I loved that game. I loved Robot Unicorn Attack. Open your eyes and see your eyes are open. scores in Robot Unicorn Attack on my roommate's door to let him know that he sucked at that game and that I was better than him. We get this real intro that reminds me a lot of Robot Unicorn Attack. Yeah. And he introduces that every time he does the show, he's going to be doing it from a different arcade. Yes. And he starts off in Philadelphia's own barcade. Yes, a place I've been and spent my money. My next note is I have been here. And then I have, it's clearly a weird time of night or a weird night of the week. Because I've been here on a weekend. This place is packed on the weekends. I can tell you exactly when it is. When was it? Uh, Because I immediately go, hey, that's my friend Meredith. (laughs) What is she doing there? Uh, This was filmed after a Philly Smackdown. That makes perfect. Wow, so. It was a Friday night. Was this when Smackdown was on Fridays? 
Or was this when SmackDown... Because SmackDown oh, moved yeah. to Fridays. Yeah, me... This might have been in the the time where SmackDown wasn't live and it was on Tuesdays. I think that's exactly when it was. Yeah. Because I... Because this was 2018. So I think this was before Fox. I think it was still... Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me that it would have recorded late on a weeknight. Yes. Because even late on a Friday night, this place would have been packed. Uh, This place is usually very packed. Yeah. I've been to the Jersey City one at a very off time. Uh, during WrestleMania weekend, actually, yes. uh, you were doing a show. Yes, I was. And I did not wish to be there. I wanted to be at the Barcade yes. several doors down. Yeah, from the White Eagle Hall. So for $25, uh, I had as much beer as I could deal with and all the arcade tokens I needed. Yes. Uh, not a be- Not the worst way I've ever spent $25 on a random Friday. Mm-hmm. So... He kind of sells the place. He does the very, like, 25 draft line specialty cocktails. And then he shows off some of the food. Like, he shows off their tacos. Yes. And then uh, there's a great... I I love this shot. He gets the tokens, and he lowers his face down to where the tokens flow out and just grins at the camera. Yeah. It's this very simple joy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. no, I keep staring at the background to see if there are people I know. Yes. Because a lot of people we know hang out at Barcade just regularly. Mm-hmm. So basically the show is going to be, or is presented as Xavier taking on various people at their best game. Yes. So he plays Speed Racer? Yes, because they've just gotten it. And like, you see Xavier Woods going like, that, that Speed Racer? That a, that a speed racer cabinet? Yeah. And the manager's like, yeah, we just got that. And he's like, Ex- excuse me. Now, I have a suspicion that some of this is fake. Okay. Because I worked for a convention that had a Street Fighter tournament. Okay. And they were going to use the cabinet. Like, we had an actual Street Fighter 2 cabinet, which you shouldn't use for a tournament because you can't do mirror mode. But that's beyond the point. And we were going to stream it live on Twitch. Okay. So I had to look into how to stream cabinet footage. It's next to impossible. Oh. Because like the screw, it's not like the, a normal TV that has like outputs. So anytime you see footage of the the gameplay, that's just the gameplay. That's probably inserted later. Okay. And probably not the actual footage because capturing arcade cabinet footage on the fly in an arcade next to impossible. Okay. Um, we we see Xavier Wood eat some tacos. Uh, they keep showing the uh, Stanley Steamer ASMR commercial. I just, that was bothering me so I wrote a note about it. Uh, they play uh, Marvel versus Capcom. Okay. And he plays against someone and wins. And we get a little bit of history of Marvel versus Capcom. Yes. And I was like, ooh, I like this. Like, this is no longer a wrestling show. This is a video game show. So here's a little bit of history. Yes. They play Mortal Kombat. And then he talks about Mortal Kombat. He talks about the history of Mortal Kombat. And I remember you started to, like, fall off. Like, ugh, I'm, I'm starting to lose interest. And I was like, yeah, 
this is because we're who we are and we know this information yes. about how Mortal Kombat's the reason that there are ratings now on video games. Like, this is kind of nice, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I literally do a lecture on video game ratings. Yeah. Um, because I do a lecture on video game movies. Right. And I kind of, like, have to contextualize it. Yeah, so the ESRB gets created because of uh, Mortal Kombat. And Night Trap. And Night Trap, yes, is the other one. So, I do fall off this a little bit because I, I do have the very, like... It's like when there's a Disney YouTuber and they go, like hidden secrets of Disney World, and it's, like, all the same yeah. ten. Did you know that there are hidden Mickey Mouses? Yeah, like... Or, did you know that the brown uh, stripe of concrete in Liberty Square is meant to symbolize sewage? That's legitimately really interesting. If you didn't know that, don't take Laura's tone as an insult. Oh, I just knew it. Yeah. So, uh, it is a fun fact, let's yes. be honest. Uh, however... So, I, like, clearly you have actual notes on that, and I have, he does some history between each game. Yes. Um, so then we get to the final challenge, and that's going to be NBA Jam. Uh, yeah, they also play X-Men. That's going to be important later for the stuff I have to say. Okay, I didn't even catch that one. Yeah, they play, they play X-Men, the arcade game. Which I love. Yeah. And oh. I actually usually play that, played that in Philly at uh, Atomic City Comics in South Yes, Street. yes. Uh, I spent literally two hours. You were playing Dungeons and Dragons at Occupy Philadelphia that Yes. Night. That's a story for another time. <laughs> and I just left and was... Left me at a protest. And I was just loose in a comic book store. Yeah. Uh, dancing to Billy Idol with a rando. It's a story for another time. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I just like that so many things with this episode are, you were doing something and I didn't want to go so I left. Yeah, this is true. I do a lot of things that bore Laura. <laughs> and so I leave. Um, and I usually have... I, I feel like a lot of the time when th- that happens, I'm living my own Beard After Hours episode of Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> of like... You're those, th- those are the best episodes of the show of our lives. Are the ones where I go do a weird thing and you peace out. <laughs> because I'm usually also having an adventure... <laughs> Just a completely different one. So the thing with NBA Jam is apparently the best players to play as are the Utah Jazz. Yes. And Chris knows that too. And so does Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. So they both play as the Utah Jazz, rendering the footage incomprehensible. Yeah. What a mistake. So uh, I also get the impression during this that the crowd has been told... To cheer for Chris. Okay. Because they're all on the side of the fan, not the wrestler they came here to see. Yeah. So I I feel like the crowd was supposed to cheer for Chris. Xavier wins. Yes. Uh, it's not very interesting to talk about the game. Yeah, because we can't really see it, and then the footage they show is probably not real. Uh, I will say it's close. It is close. Uh, Xavier wins 50 to 47. Uh, and that's kind of it. Yes. He gives another plug for Barcade. Yes. And then there's a shot of everybody cheering and I see my friend Keen Cobb. There's a ghost. Someone else I know was there. So I did some digging and I found some stuff out about this show. I'm sure. Uh, so this show came out in 2018. 
I believe, right? Yeah, Christmas Eve 2018. Right. Uh, They filmed this in 2017. Makes sense. So it took a really long time to kind of create this show. Uh, And I talked to my friend Meredith about it. Uh, Xavier did, in fact, beat everybody. Okay. Uh, So they didn't, like, cut one where he lost or anything like that. The weird thing is, for the NBA jam part of it, he kind of stands there and he goes, who do I want to play? Who do I want to play? Hmm, I'll play you. Not true. There was, in fact, a tournament to earn the right to play Xavier. That makes sense. So that you didn't have someone who sucked. So, but it, they didn't play NBA Jam. Oh. It was, because Meredith was telling me she was the last woman standing when they played X-Men. And then she lost at Mortal Kombat. Oh. So there was this whole, like, plot-driven tournament that takes place that is completely absent from the show. And they, like, purposely make it look like it didn't happen because they make it look like Xavier just picks a guy. Okay. Uh, So... I don't know why they got rid of, like, the plot. I don't know if they realized they couldn't get the footage of the games. Okay. Uh, But I also found out that everyone's wearing New Day shirts. Yes. They were not given those. They were all just wearing those shirts. Well, Xavier put, like, an open call on Twitter. Like, come hang out. So if you were in a big Xavier Woods fan. Yeah. And you probably wore your New Day shirt to, like, get his attention. But everyone else wore a New Day shirt? Mm-hmm. Womp womp. Uh, so the other like interesting thing is I talked to, to my buddy King Cobb and I was like, can you tell me anything interesting? And he goes, my buddy came this close to beating him at Marvel vs. Capcom. So his friend was the one who played him in Marvel vs. Capcom and lost. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but... Both of them said that they had that like Xavier Woods was super nice, super nice guy. Bought them drinks, uh, bought them free games, things like that. The whole shoot took about an hour and a half. Cool. And it was a really good time. Now I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure I know what we were doing that night. Okay. I think that's the SmackDown we went to. All right. And then left early because I had been talking on Twitter with Dolph Ziggler about going to an open mic. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about that. We, I had been talking on Twitter with Dolph Ziggler, which you can, like, find that conversation because it wasn't in, like, DMs. It was, no. like, publicly on Twitter where I was trying to get him to come to the Medusa Lounge after SmackDown. A place that I walked into and then attempted to leave yeah, and, and I, go on a Laura adventure. And I was like, but we got to hang out because Dolph Ziggler might come. And I walked up to the host and I was like, hey, uh, if Dolph Ziggler comes, can you give him a good spot? And they were like, what? I don't even think I performed. No. <laughs> I think I put my name on the list and we left before I performed. Yes. Uh, Dolph Ziggler did not appear. (laughs) He did not. I would give this a stay tuned. I would give this a stay tuned as well. Because I think if he focuses on different games, uh, I do appreciate that this was his 15 minute audition tape for G4. Yeah, basically. Uh, Because I know there, because he started going to MAGFest around the same time we did. Yes. So I know you met him one year at MAGFest. 
Yes, he was dressed as Parappa the Rapper. I walked past him in a hallway. I was like, oh, that's Xavier Woods. That's cool. But um, like, that that's always been who he was. But because before he was in WWE, uh, he was Consequences, Consequences Creed. Great name. In uh, TNA. And he would go to Anime North and hang out there in Canada. And they had like a wrestling show. And I had my friends, uh, the 404s were there. And they were like, yeah, I was at Anime North and Consequences Creed just ran by me in drag. Okay. <laughs> so he's always been a huge dweeb. I love Xavier Woods or Creed, Austin Creed. Uh, and I would totally give this a stay tuned because I think this is the this is the only one that like makes sense. Okay. Like, it's not a wrestling clip show. It's something outside of wrestling that makes sense for the character that's there. Because it yes. doesn't make sense for Bo Dallas to host a cooking show. But... It also makes sense that Xavier would do this because he's always traveling. Like, this this is a home run, in my opinion. Yes. And it's also kind of, like, benefits a local business. Yeah! Which, like, don't hate that. Not at all. So, it benefits a local, but there's nothing, nothing not to like in this. Yeah, so I, I will give this a stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining us for the first time we've ever done four in a row. Uh, one little thing I want to bring up is uh, I got a few people asking if we're going to do a retrospective soon uh, because we hit episode 150. The answer to that question is no. Uh, I wanted to bring up the fact that this was would be the original time we were planning to do the hiatus. Yes. Which, had we not done the hiatus earlier, would have been insane to have waited till now yeah. though it, it would have happened right when we got covid so that is funny <laughs> it would have worked out and the hiatus would have made more sense uh but we're not going to make a hiatus we're not going to do a uh, retrospective just because there's not enough episodes between the last retrospective and this one so, yeah because we this is episode 151 our last po- our, our last postmortem was episode 135 yeah so we, it is fascinating because that was at the end of november we went on hiatus, and then... But right Razzie, in Razzie month, yeah. Yeah, we went on hiatus, Razzie month, and then, a, like, multiple two-parters like Terra Nova. Yeah. So, we, we will probably do another retrospective around October, November, December area. Uh, so, we, we will do another one, but uh, not, not until the summer's over. Yeah, we usually do them... Right before a hiatus. Uh, yeah. That's when we kind of break up our seasons. Yeah. We are presently in season three. Yeah. Uh, I just got the Twitter notification yesterday that yesterday was four years to the day uh, when I got the handle for Stay Doomed. I think we're in season four. Okay, yes, you're right. We're in season four. <laughs> yeah, this is season four. But, because I, I got the handle and the email address and all that uh, on Facebook and Twitter, at Stay Doomed. At Stay Doomed. And uh, the email is... The Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com. Yeah. So in case you're curious. If you want to reach out to us. And let me ask you, what are we watching next week? Shark Rumble. Shark Rumble. Is that Rumble. what we're watching? Yes. Uh, we are watching Shark Rumble with uh, Drew McIntyre and uh, Luke Tipple. Luke Tipple. Yes. He's we're going, back. We're going back to Disney Plus. And, not Disney Plus. Discovery I do this Plus. every time. We're going back to Discovery Plus. And... Uh, we wanted to do more Discovery Plus, and we wanted to do more WWE pilots, so smash them together. Shark Rumble. It's going to be a good time. 
be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. Because then you can join our Discord where our only custom emote is Luke Tipple. Yeah. <laughs> I never made any more. I just made Luke Tipple. Yeah, but you can talk to us on our Patreon. You can also help vote on uh, what shows we're going to review next. Like this one. This one was actually decided by our patrons. So yeah. thank you, patrons. And you can also enjoy fantastic bonus episodes. We just put up our bonus episode about our top theater experiences. So you can check that out if you join. Top movie theater experiences. Yes, excuse me. Movie theater experiences. Check that out at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And if you think cooking shows where no one cooks are stupid, I'm at plus two comedy. If you like leaving your partner and wandering off for adventures on your own, I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time. Stay doomed.